This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Well, hello there, and welcome to the wine situation, the podcast where uh, our situation is that we're all drinking alone, and I, Ellen Clifford, am here to keep you company while you pop a bottle, pour a glass, take a sip, savor that sip, think about that sip, and you want to do that with company, and maybe, I don't know, maybe you want to learn some things about wine from me. Uh, This is the show full of segments and tangents, and most of them are about wine, but I can't promise. So, um, I feel like I'm trying to do some kind of like weird, like smooth talking jazz singer thing. Does that make any sense? Probably not. And I have not even had a sip yet, but (laughs) I'm going to soon, don't you worry. I am Ellen Clifford, the palate. Uh, You know, um, I'm a certified sommelier. I write for Delectable. I'm in the middle of the Wine and Spirit Educational Trust Diploma Program. Albeit, I'm sure we can all agree that most importantly, I'm a graduate of the Upright Citizens Brigade. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh. They had to close their New York school. No, really, UCB, I love you. Um, you've taught me so much. Uh, and I hope we're all back to watching improv there. Anyway, guys, that's just a credit that doesn't have anything to do with wine, although it probably is something that enables me to sit here talking for long periods of time, saying many words in order about things and assuming that someone will want to listen to me and pay attention. If this podcast were a herald, that's a, a improv uh, format, we would say, huh, what would we say the game of this podcast is? I guess the game of it has bef- before been that I call things games when like they're not even close to being a game, they're just a thing. <laughs> uh, like the um, what's in the glass, it's not a game. Who, what, when, where, why? Wine is sort of a game, uh, but I don't know. Is it a game? Is it a quiz? What, what do you guys think? I don't know. Does it matter? Probably not. Uh, how's everyone doing? It's uh, Wednesday evening here in Los Angeles, 9.57, according to my smartphone. Uh, it's been... How is everybody doing? Tell me. Seriously, if you're my friend, you know that I will FaceTime and talk to you all the time because we all really need each other right now. I left the house for the longest amount of time I have since this whole thing started. I went on a very, very long walk with my friend Perry in the Hollywood Hills with masks, with space, uh, and it was really lovely. It was kind of cloudy out. In the Hollywood Hills, you can just... It reminds me of when... Well, to this day, I like walking around neighborhoods and just being like, oh, look at that house. Look at those flowers. There's a cute dog. Look at that cat in the window. Who do you think lives here? What the hell were they trying to do with that design? That's like postmodern meets what the fuck. Yeah, we we were judging houses. It was really fun. It really helped. Like, (laughs) I, I probably overshared last week. I'm like, ugh, when you're like already going through this and then suddenly you're in this breakup and you're just like, I'm not sure what the fuck up with life. It's really great. I hope you guys are out taking walks. I hope you have friends to do it with. Even if you don't, I hope 
just keep moving. Walking is honestly one of my favorite things to do. I don't know if the fact that walking and reading, like this is why I'll never fill out a dating profile. I'll be like, I like to walk and read. Uh, but then uh, I do feel like when people find out I'm into wine, sometimes that's like a turn on to people. They're like, really? Uh, so that's fun. Anyway, <laughs> wow, we had a tangent already. Great. Uh, well, my agenda was segments tangents, but uh, I'll, I'll give you the exact agenda of what we're going to accomplish on this very game-filled, but not, and that's the game, podcast. We are going to get an update on something I was wondering about last week's wine, because we got feedback from the winemaker, which I fucking love that. Thank you for that, Leah. Uh, we have results from the poll. We have a wine to taste and drink, which you guys, I, I'm holding on taking a, holding off on taking a sip because I want to cheers with you guys, but don't let me stop you because maybe a minute, especially if I get on another tangent. Okay. So we're going to taste that wine and talk about it. Then I'm, uh, I'm trying to figure out like a name for this segment. I'm just like, wine movie. Should I call it a winema instead of cinema? Cinema with spirits? I don't know. I still need a better name for this segment, and I'm sorry I don't have one, but this movie's been out for a while, and I feel like I really want to talk about it, because I really enjoyed it, so wine movie it is! Then we're going to have a quick little wine boost, very quick, uh, and then we'll have our drunk dial, which I teased it last week, and gosh, guys, I'm supposed to talk to her at like 8.30 a.m. tomorrow morning from when I'm recording this. Uh, she's on the East Coast, and... She, she has a lot. She's a busy woman who's just published a book. So I am amazed she even agreed to talk to me. And hopefully there, at the end of this podcast, there isn't a recording of me being like, oh, something messed up. Um, but shall I get on with our first segment, the update? So last week you listened to me taste Leah Jorgensen Sellers, her Cabernet Franc, and it was incredible. And I was having a lot of questions uh, when I was reading about it, and so uh, I tagged Leah Jorgensen Sellers, and she responded, oh my god, I love it when winemakers do this, and, and I think she actually, like, listened to the podcast, because she was like, well, let me just read you what she wrote us. <clears throat> At Leah Jorgensen Sellers commented, loved this. Thank you for including me on such a fun episode. Thank you to Shelby at K, she said K and M Wines. Maybe I should tag her and be like, it's KL Wines, but that's okay. Shelby at K and L Wines. Lovely description of the wine. Grazie. Perhaps I can help you get to Pinot Camp one day. As for ultimate Cinderella grape, you got it. Cab Franc is always an afterthought to Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot. Yet it's the, it's the grape that gives true ageability and elegance and structure because of its incredible acid and tannin profile. CF is the true belle of the ball, unlike her stepsisters. You nailed it on the tannins, medium and soft, because I use old barrels. I like my barrels like my friends. Been around a long time and bring out the best in wine. Thanks again for your thoughtful and fun assessment. Cheers. High five heart emoji. How fucking great is that? Yeah, Leah, if you, if you choose to keep listening to this podcast... I hope I get to Pinot Camp someday, and I hope I get to meet you in person and taste your wine in person someday, because you just, you commenting like that just made my day. It was fantastic. Um, so thank you for that. Okay, so I asked you guys a poll, and y'all didn't really uh, give me 
not so many people responded to it. Maybe I didn't hype it enough. Or anyway, uh, Matt Hirschfeld says, I, "Oh, I was asking where you get your wines. <laughs> Maybe people just don't want to give up their sources, huh?" So Matt Hirschfeld said from Bevmo. R. Mark Shytown says, direct from the wineries I, I love. Megatron Lives says, at Spruce Restaurants SF. Drunken Psalm said, hashtag wine text from Gary V. Uh, at Gary V. Oh, he's talking about uh, Gary uh, Vander, Vander? Something. Ah, why am I always mess his name up? Um, but you can find him on Instagram at, at Gary V. That's V E E. It's a must-see, high-quality, hard-to-get wines for at least, all caps, at least, 50% every day. There's not a better deal for wines from all over the world of all varietals. I need to go back and see if Drunken Psalm happens to work for Gary Vee, maybe. Uh, but maybe not. Maybe he just really likes getting the wines from Gary Vee. I will have to check it out. Parolo Wine says, from my neighbors. Cheers emoji. Dcans11 says, at Spin the Bottle Wine Studio. Acos333 says, ABC Wine. And it's kind of grab and go, exclamation point. Very cool. Well, thank you, everybody, for your response. Now, what we're all waiting for, a nice glass of wine. This is another wine that Shelby brought me from K&L. Because uh, I had requested, you know, find me, find me some women winemakers. This uh, winemaker is not only a woman winemaker, but she is the president of the Terrasse uh, du Larzac appellation that she makes her wine in, and she's affiliated with this uh, organization called Vinifi, spelled V-I-N-I-F-I-L-L-E-S which means wine girls. It's an association of women producers who own and operate their own estates. So that's cool. Who is this winemaker? What is her wine? The winemaker is Marie Chauffray, and the wine is 2017 Domaine de la Reserve de O, La Reserve de O, Terrasse du Larzac. So to break that down, 2017 year, Domaine de la Reserve de O is the name of the winery, and they say um, they, their name, uh, they gave it that name with, quote, the mission of establishing a nature reserve where wines can be produced in a healthy ecosystem that is abundant in flora and fauna. So that's cool. Uh, the, the second law reserve to O, I guess, is just what they named this blend. And Terrasse du Larzac is a region in the Languedoc, more specifically in Fougere. It's like a subregion in Fougere, uh, so it's South France, and it's 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 uh, quite hot down there, but in Fougere, and particularly on the uh, Terrasse du Larzac, they get a lot of uh, altitude, which helps cool things down, and I would think produces probably very high a diurnal range, which is helpful for making grapes get nice and ripe, but they keep that acid. I haven't tasted this yet, so we'll... Uh, We'll see. I can tell you, let me see. I'll give you the notes that uh, K&L gave me on this wine. <clears throat> not the tasting notes. I'm not going to read the tasting notes until I've made my own opinions. My, I, You don't make your opinions. You have opinions. You make decisions. And they're not opinions, Ellen. God. Ooh, sorry, guys. I don't try not to be mean to myself, and then sometimes I catch myself doing it, and I should stop. 
and so should you, because you are special to me, especially if you're listening to me still. <laughs> okay, let's see what KNL said. <clears throat> we met Chauffray at the Vinny Fee tasting in January of 2015 in Montpellier. The Vinny Fee, which means wine girls. Oh, I told you guys that part already. Okay, well, women producers who own and operate their own estates. From growing to winemaking to marketing, they are involved in every aspect of their winery's successes. I was invited by our friend Francois Antecazo, our sparkling wine producer from the Limo, to visit and taste her wines and meet some of her other grower-producer friends. Chauffray's was one of the most impressive wines we tasted at the event, and we immediately struck up a relationship. Marie owned a wine shop, but always wanted to pursue wine, wanted to pursue growing. So she and her husband, Frederick, began looking for a vineyard. It took 10 years to find the perfect plot. The vineyard, which is planted on limestone gravel. Ooh, guys, gravel is good for drainage. Yeah. I don't know why I just made that weirdly sexual. Okay. <clears throat> limestone gravel is on a unique site 400 meters above sea level in the Terrasse de l'Arzac subregion of the Languedoc. The farming is certified both EcoCert organic and Demeter biodynamic, representing the best qualities of the estate. Reserve d'eau is a blend of 45% Grenache, 45% Syrah, with 10% Senso. So, okay, we have a, a nice, like, uh, we, we got a nice little natural wine here. Uh, I don't actually drink that much from the Languedoc. It's such, it's such a complicated uh, region to conquer, which actually, uh, there's a story about competing to learn about it um, from our uh, In Wine Girl, the, the book by Victoria James, who I will hopefully be speaking to at the end of this podcast. Uh, yeah, the Languedoc Roussillon is filled with all these tiny different regions and they're all like the, there's a lot of different grapes and there's yeah it's it's hard to memorize is what I'm saying so anyway this is a lovely blend why don't we taste it that sounds like fun cheers Ooh, pow that was like came in soft and then was like yo i'm here i didn't mean for my voice to sound like that choppy when i said yo that sounded evil i think that's just because my mouth's watering so much after taking a sip of that um yeah this wine's like hey uh you're gonna remember me and not just because i'm possibly high in alcohol although we'll we'll figure that out when we play what's in a glass do you want to play what's in a glass uh by the way guys i decided to, just because I had a lot of other things I wanted to talk about, not do the who, what, when, where, why, wine quizzes for this one, even though, as I said, I found they are an excellent uh, skeleton of the bones upon which the vegan protein of this podcast hang. Uh, is, is that okay? Or do people prefer to be playing along and to have something to split up things like wine notes and tasting? Let me know. Okay, let's play what's in a glass. The game that's not a game, but that is the game. This is a rather deep purple. I mean, it's a little deep because I fold my glass a little full. Uh, not much rim variation. Uh, tears, tears. I'm bad at tears. They're pretty thick, um, which would make sense because I'm guessing based on the... Okay, I'll get there in a minute. Let's smell. Ooh. Mm. There's like really juicy, like silky, 
I guess smell can't be silky, but I envision biting into like really ripe berries and plums, like some red plums. Ooh. Yeah, there's something plummy on this, but like red plums. Definitely red plums and red fruit, okay? Um, there's a hint of like smokiness, um, kind of, yeah, definitely some kind of like, not exactly ballpark frank, but like something's been roasted. Maybe that's from the Syrah in this. You know, guys, I shouldn't have looked at what varieties are in this, and so I could have, like, it's hard. You never know sometimes whether your mind is telling you you should smell these things. Although when I get a blend, I'm just like, I don't know exactly what I'm going to taste here. Yeah, silky red fruit. Um, Oh, yeah, I definitely smell that Syrah. Be some blue plums. Definitely the really ripe berries. Basically, it just... Smells really ripe, but not like cooked, not like stewed ripe. This fruit has not been cooked, it's just very, very ripe. Okay, let's taste it. Hmm. Yeah, this wine you go, mm, and then you go, ah! Um, so that's why I'm, okay, so dry. Acids. Mm, I'm just gonna put it at medium. Acid's medium. Alcohol, I'm gonna put it high, or at least for W set high, uh, which if I think I remember correctly is like 14 and over. I always mess this up ever since they changed from having the like really nuanced medium, medium plus, etc. I always forget and I have to look where I wrote it down. Let's see. Low is under 11, medium is 11 to 13.9, high is for, uh, 14 plus. Okay, I was right. Alcohol, I think, is high. I'm gonna put this at. I'm gonna put it at 14. Maybe 14.5. Dun, 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 dun. As I said, I've been like really bad at this recently. So let's see what the bottle says. 14.5. Holy cow, you guys! I did it! Oh my god, Clippers, come back! Yeah. You don't know how good it feels to succeed. Or maybe you do. Actually, you know, I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably winning. So. Okay, that was fun. <laughs> uh, body. This body is medium plus. The body is, it's, those tannins, they're, mm, the tannins are like, I might put them at medium plus, but they're like really, really plush, like they're ripe ones. Uh, last week, I think I was talking about how wines often make me think of like a color or a fabric or a piece of clothing. So when I drank this wine, the sensation I had. It's like if you, and actually I'm like, who the fuck's ever had silk stockings? But what I imagine silk stockings being like, if you were running your hand up, I don't know why this got so sexual. If you're running your hand up someone's leg and there's their silk stockings, and then all of a sudden you get to the, the top of the stocking, it's, um, cause guys, this is, we're talking thigh highs and there's like this bright red, uh, like bright red, not gaudy, but just like silk stockings and then some sort of extravagant garter. That's what this wine is. That's very sexy. Hmm. Uh, let's talk about flavor. It's quite, I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> this is my, my one job for you guys is to describe this wine. I'm like, I don't know how to describe it. 
I think as the pod progresses, I'll keep retasting because I think it needs to open up a little because um, I'm not getting as much on the palate as I was on the nose, but it's definitely more of that red fruit, more of a red berry kind of thing. Um, a little more earth, um, a little bit of that smoke, a little bit of almost pepperiness to it. Like, I want to say a white pepper. You guys do this for yourself if you can. In the end times, it's important that we all know the difference between black pepper and white pepper. And pink pepper is a whole nother game. Um, go out and get all these peppercorns, smell them. You'll be like, wow, okay, I see. You know, when you first start learning wines, part of your mind is like, is it a little bit bullshit, all that stuff they're talking about and all these different flavors that they use, like... Um, like gooseberry and like until I tasted a gooseberry, I was like, this has got to be bullshit. I mean, granted, it's kind of hard to procure gooseberries, but we did it. And once we did, I was like, yeah, a hundred percent. that's what that is. So get some white pepper, smell it. It's very floral. Um, pink peppercorns are, I think they're not even technically pepper. They're like even more, I need to, I need to put them on my counter and smell them daily. Cause they're like a smell I still don't think of all the time. I saw someone reference, uh, I think it was Matthew Kaner. Hi, Matthew. If you're listening, you're probably not, but hi anyway. Uh, former guest of the show that he wrote some tasting note that's had rose hips in it. And I still don't know that I've ever smelled, tasted, that I know rose hips. So I'm like, I, I sometimes keep a list of things that I need to buy just to, just to smell. Apparently I still need to, apparently the thing that I pick up is like meaty sometimes. Well, not, yeah, there's, there's certain things I get on Syrah a lot that make me think of like fatty bacon. And apparently that's what most other people are calling black olive. So I need to buy some black olives. I just, I, I don't like olives and now I don't even have a boyfriend to be like, take my olives, get these out of my house. It feels wasteful. Then again, I'm the girl out buying pink peppercorns. So am I worried about waste? Well, yes, yes, I am. I will eventually use those peppercorns. But if I got some black olives, I would have to find someone to give them to. What did I say at the beginning about tangents? I'm so good at them. Okay, let's see if this wine's opened up in the last one minute. Ooh, um, yeah, the smell is still like, whew, quite there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit more punch of like that, what I think of as smoked meat that apparently other people call olives. But there is, yeah, there's still, I, I don't know, I think there's something meaty and olivey. I think I'm slowly figuring out the difference. Um, this is quite, yeah, actually it is quite complex. It's got a lot of different flavors to it. It's quite well balanced. It's a very fun wine because I feel like every sip has been a little bit of an adventure so i'm going to take another hold on hmm. oh yeah yeah the olive fatty meaty notes are coming out a lot more the red fruits are still bright they are singing songs to me and keeping me happy uh and then there's also like juice and flowers i mean obviously wine is juice but i think of some sort of blended fruit juice of dark fruit and oh yeah okay a little bit of like blueberry pie but not sweet but just that flavor does that make sense the finish sticks with you um 
this is a fabulous, I think this was around 20, oh wait, I could probably see, okay. This is like $25. This is a great bottle of wine. Thank you, Shelby and K&L for bringing, ahem, Domaine de la Reserve d'Eau from the Terrasse du Larzac. To me, I really enjoyed this. This makes me feel better about, I need to, I should probably try and drink more wines from, uh, the Languedoc Roussillon, they can be, like it's just said, terrific value. I think I just, I got like burned so many times because like I'd be at a bar and I'd see it was from Minervois or something like that. And I'd, I'd be like, I don't even know what to expect. And if I'm going to commit to a bottle, I, I usually want to have some sort of expectation. The great thing about having a friend like Shelby is she's got great taste buds <laughs> and she's got my back. We get by with the help from our friends. It's really, really true. Okay, there's only one actual tasting note that I got on the K&L site. Uh, oh, it's from Robert Parker's Wine Advocate. Let's see if what they say stacks up. I mean, I was like really ripe for it. Some plums, maybe some blueberry, a lot of bacon and meat, and some white pepper. Let's see what they said. <clears throat> The primary production of the estate, the 2017 Terrasse du Larzac, La Reserve de O, is a blend of 45, we know this, Robert Parker, 45 each Grenache and Syrah, plus 10% since so, aged in tank and amphora. <gasps> this was aged in amphar, uh, amphari? Wow. That's, and that's different. That's different. I admire that. That's different. Um, at least in France, that's different. If we're in Georgia, they'd be in Quevery all day. Okay. <laughs> Actual tasting. It's a delicious blend of cherries, raspberries, and blueberries with garrigue. I guess that's all the earthy things and violets. Okay. So like, I think the only thing we really agreed on was like blueberries and red fruits. Maybe violets is what I taste as white pepper. I don't know. You guys... This is why structure, I think, is like more important. Oh, this, this is good. Medium to full-bodied. It's silky in texture. What did I tell you about those silk stockings? With only soft ephemeral tannins on the finish. Um, the tannins do hold on, and yeah, like I said, they're ripe, which I guess you could also call soft. So yeah, um, I'll take that review. I will say it sounds like an accurate one. Okay, is that enough tasting? If anything changes over the next few minutes, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know if I have any more uh, revelations. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about the movie Uncorked that came out recently on Netflix. Uh, it's really, uh, I, it's a fucking delightful movie. Um, it's definitely a family story. There's a little bit of a love story, but moreover, well, I'll read you what their uh, log line is. <clears throat> a young man feels torn between his dream of becoming a master sommelier and his father's expectations that he'll take over the family business. Um, and the family business in question happens to be a barbecue restaurant in Memphis. And I, so this is, this is, I love just seeing someone becoming a master of wine, even if it's just in a movie, who's, you know, not a straight white guy. Uh, it's an African-American family. And what's also interesting, and I actually, I didn't even think about it too much. Watching the whole movie, I'm just like, oh, his parents, his uh, niece Nash plays his mom. She's great. 
Uh, they're delightful. The love story when he meets the love interest. It's just one of those things where you watch two people who are a little awkward and you can tell they're immediately just smitten and awkward about it. It's so cute. It's... Um, and then he starts, so the, the character Elijah, he's super into wine. His dad wants him to take over the barbecue business, but man, his mom has his back. She reminds me um, a little bit of like, well, both my parents really. <laughs> They're like, follow your dreams, Cliffy. I want to move to LA and be an actress and drink wine all day. We're amazed. I have a great family. I love you guys. Um, yeah. I mean, it helps that now they have a personal sommelier. But anyway, so this uh, Elijah, he sort of enters the world of people uh, training to become a master sommelier, which is, you know, mostly white guys, but that's not what the movie is about. And I read an interview with uh, Prentice Penny, the, like the writer-director, and he said in like going to studios, they all like, wanted to make it more about that and he wanted it more just to be a slice of life that you know didn't happen to be white folks which i don't know I, I part of me is like but people need to know the problems that you run into when you're i mean i i am white but i'm female so <laughs> i'm like part of me is like but people need to know the problems but then part of me is just like no this is fucking great this is just a dude, and he has family troubles, uh, trouble being that his dad doesn't get what he's doing, and uh, he's pursuing a wine career. Now, the fun thing is watching the depictions, not the fun thing, one of the fun things is watching the depictions of people training. So Master Psalm Dylan Proctor, he helped produce it, and he definitely gives a lecture at the, his, one of his first days at the wine school where he's like, and I'm like, come on, Dylan, you know this isn't true. Or maybe he thinks it is true. He says, blind tasting is the most important thing you will do, which is, I mean, it's important, but it's just, I mean, that's the thing that impresses people most is when you can blind taste. I mean, I'll admit I'm still impressed by good blind tasters. I'm impressed by myself when I blind taste, uh, but I don't think it's the most important thing. But that's okay. The movie, okay, I'm trying to look. I had just a lot of random thoughts watching this, of things that I really enjoyed watching it, and things about the wine in it, which I didn't keep a list of every single thing that they showed in there. If you want to see that, I think it's on wineenthusiast.com. Okay, so the movie opens with, like, barbecue porn followed by vineyard porn. Then barbecue porn and vineyard porn. Um, and there's like this song, uh, song going that's like, I got that juice. And it's like, are they, they're drawing a nice, nice little parallel there between, you know, the juice of those, uh, ribs being cut up and the juice being made into wine. Actually, they draw a lot of good, or Elijah does, and just sort of the imagery and the things that happen, uh, there's a lot of parallels between how to make a barbecue and how wine is made. Like, uh, there's a scene where he's going shopping for, like, the wood they'll be using to smoke their barbecue. And, I mean, you think about choice of whether or not to use oak and wine is sort of the parallel to that. Um, at one point, Elijah is trying to explain terroir, basically. And he's like, well, no, it's just like barbecue. See, like, you get it from a different region, it's going to taste different. So with wine... You learn about that. 
Uh, there was a surprising amount of, I was like, this actually is a really good parallel. Let's see. I enjoyed, there's a scene where he's in the wine shop that he's working at at the beginning, and when Tanya, his love interest, comes in, he's sort of, she wants some white wine, and he's like, okay, well, let me see, Chardonnay, he says, that's the granddaddy, that's the versatile, uh, smooth wine, that's Jay-Z. Pinot Grigio, he called Kanye West, <laughs> which... That, I don't know, that just makes me giggle. And Riesling is queen, uh, like clean and sweet, uh, like Drake. Uh, spoiler alert for what wine she chooses. She, she takes home Drake. I would have to say, if I were faced with Jay-Z, Kanye West, and Drake, maybe I'd take Drake? I definitely wouldn't take Kanye. And Jay-Z is married to Beyonce. Drake probably is married to. I don't know why I'm even contemplating this. That's okay. So here's the thing, I told you the opening scenes are of sort of like from vineyards to bottling, wine porn, and it's the, the, the wine is the Domaine Long Depecuit, which is by Bichot. Um, Albert Bichot is a huge figure in Burgundy. He makes, he has a, a few different, um, well, uh, sometimes it's under just the Albert Bichot label, sometimes it's Domaine Long Depecui. Oh, I'm trying to remember the others. I got to taste a lot when I was uh, working, uh, doing some work for another wine company. But so I was, here's the thing is Bichot keeps, you see a lot of Bichot in this. Like there's Bichot left and right. He, when he's in France, he goes to Bichot. I'm like, there's, yeah, so much Bichot. So I was like, did Bichot sponsor this? But then I was thinking, Dylan Proctor, he, was one of the producers and I is must something is I was like did, did he start working for Bichot because as far as I knew he worked for Pinfolds which is Australian wine uh so I don't know I was confused about that uh although oh yeah no so there's a scene where uh closer to the end one of the times where you see the father kind of start to start to like be like oh wow my my son really knows what he's talking about maybe i should uh maybe maybe him pursuing this wine dream maybe i should you know consider it um <laughs> where they're at a restaurant and um uh elijah asks for bin 28 pinfold's bin 28 and the bartender tries to steer him somewhere else and then like ends up being like oh, okay yeah i guess we do have some bin 389 2010 and, and he's like, ooh, he was holding out on that baby Grange on me, which was just amusing to me. So maybe maybe, maybe that was Dylan. Um, other wines they mentioned that stood out to me were um, he goes to a tasting and then tries to convince his boss to start selling Antica Terra. You guys, along with uh, Bergstrom, Antica Terra, uh, I, I had it at this Will uh, Willamette Valley dinner right before everything shut down and they were the two wines that just like oh i was like i if i see they're they're at least the ones i tried were a little up there in price but my god they're wines that you're like oh i will pay for this juice i will pay for this juice and i will love this juice i can't wait till i can someday drink that again oh my god um i probably should not you, you know I, I got my check from from the uh Stimulus check. Uh, I should probably should not spend it all on an Antica Terra. Although maybe they need people buying their wine straight from them to keep them going. So maybe I should. I mean, it's there to stimulate the economy and the wine 
business is an economy. Hmm, I don't know. Uh, that was another tangent. You guys, this wine, I'm getting more, the palette really is opening up. I get more and more of the savory notes on it as time goes by. My one thing about the movie was that when he is learning the blind tasting, like we do, we're required to eventually come down to, you know, a vintage, a grape, a region. But they were naming like straight up producers. <laughs> like this is clearly like the, oh, there's, the, he has this sort of like taste off in one of the sessions and they'd be like, this is Cote de Bone and the other's like, this is Chablis. And then one's like, this is uh, Simone Feve. The other's like, this is uh, uh, Olivier Le Fleuve. Uh, like down to the fucking vineyard where they think the wine is from. And like, of course, one of them nails it down to the producer. It's like, well, unless you knew those were the producers in play, there's a probably would not get, I mean, well, they just wouldn't ask you to name the exact producer. It was just like so extra that now I was like, oh my God, I'm terrified that people are going to expect even more of us. Um, granted, if you, I would think that a Chardonnay from Chablis would be quite different from a Cote de Bone. So I think that is a reasonable wine to be confused or to well, that's something you shouldn't be confused about. Like, I forget if he like named it. If it's a high quality uh, like wine from the Cote de Bone, it's probably like a. I, I can't remember in the scene if he actually goes down like names a vineyard. Um, there's probably some oak involved. It's going to be a lot riper. Chablis is a, a little more austere, a lot more acid. Unless it's unconditional, uh, unconditional, unconventional. There's probably no oak on it. So like, the fact that they were like torn between those two. I don't know. I'm I'm curious who I would figure it was Delenn, but then there are some things I'm like, who picked the wines for this? I really want to know. That would be oh, I gotta find this out. Um, if I find that out, I'll try and remember to tell you guys. But I am now fascinated to know who like wrote picked the the wines and the scenes and what their reasoning for it was. Um, let's see, other notable wines. There's a Chateau Abelis Saint-Emilion Grand Cru in a touching moment. There is a Barolo in there somewhere. Um, yeah, there's a lot of wine in this movie, and it's just a freaking delightful movie. Like, I, I, I watched it a couple times, I'm not going to lie. I love, it wasn't, it was more of like a family story, but there was a romance, and then just also laughing at the, the wine bro scenes is... You know, you gotta laugh at yourself. Not that I'm a wine bro, but I'm a wine o. So yeah, uncorked on Netflix. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Uh, so far, the response from my other friends that have watched it are like, we all really enjoyed it. And you know, guys, I have the best friends. I really don't know how I got so lucky with my friends and family. So if they like it, you know, probably means something. Okay, so I said I had a wine boost. This is mostly just me tooting my own horn. I wrote this whole dang, uh, whole paper from the W set on the uh, potential of Romanian wine on the export market. It was, you guys, I just remembered, I'm a fucking writer. <laughs> like, that's what I do all day, but writing a research paper was just like, I was, I mean, it's kind of interesting. I could tell you a few more things, but there was actually not that much I wrote about wine. It was more business stuff. Um, anyway, we turned it in earlier this year, and I found out that it passed, which means between me and my diploma is that one damn test. That's right, one more test. 
between me and my diploma. The sparkling wine test too. I feel like that feels sort of apropos to like end with bubbles. So provided, ugh, and I thought I was going to be taking it like in June and no, Corona, not till fall, hopefully in fall. Good Lord. I really wanted to have my diploma done with. Part of me is trying to decide whether I should study extra hard for the sparkling and like start now and get, I don't know, I'd get extra, extra good at it uh, and maybe pass with some sort of merit or, uh, or, yeah. But part of me was like, I'm gonna hold off at least a month, at least while, like my work's been as busy as ever. Like everything I do, excited from acting and storytelling stuff is at home. So I haven't had all the spare time everyone else is talking about. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe I should just start going like really hardcore on the bubbles now. Perhaps I should. Okie doke, before we finish things up, let me see if there's anything more about this wine I need to tell you that I'm drinking. Guys, what are you drinking? Tell me about your juice. Mm. If you can, you know, drop five stars on iTunes. If you can write a little review about you enjoying this, it would be super appreciated by me. If you're one of those people who wants to be anonymous, I think you can make up your own name. It really does not take long at all. Even just five stars. I'll settle for five. Um, yeah, that'd be nice. So our drunk dial I teased last week. I told you so much about her last week in her book. Um, she was the wine director at Coat. I say she is, but I'm assuming they're closed right now. I'm Maybe I should ask her about that tomorrow, although we're doing the final five questions, not like an interview. Um, she has won numerous uh, wine tasting and like knowledge contests. She was like one of the youngest sommeliers ever. She was barely 21 when she took her certified test. She started, she's someone who's actually paying it forward. She, uh, she started Wine Empowered, which provides free education to women and people of color about wine. Uh, so she's super cool. She agreed to talk to me. I'm calling her tomorrow morning. I will. I know it's not a drunk dial. I'm not calling her drunk right now, but I will be so drunk on hers. <laughs> um, provided, yeah. I always. I don't know why I'm always like, what if it doesn't happen? It's a phone call. We can. We can make it happen eventually. Anyway, please. I hope. Enjoy this final five with Victoria James. Hi. Victoria, welcome to the show, and thank you for having me. It is, I'm really excited. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's begin with our final five questions. Uh, question number one is just, what you drinking these days? Uh, so, you know, during quarantine, I think everyone is drinking a bit more than usual, <laughs> uh, and I'm certainly using this opportunity to kind of explore some wines I don't often uh, get to drink. So I've been drinking a lot of Austrian uh, Rieslings and Grunewaldliners. Um, for some reason, I just haven't really spent a lot of time drinking these, so uh, quite enjoying that. I don't drink those enough myself. <laughs> I'm inspired. <laughs> um, cool. All right. Question number two is what's the best or most unusual pairing you've ever had? Um, you know, I think one of the most uh, unusual pairings I've ever had that uh, really resonates with me is I think there's this conception that sweet wine should always 
he enjoyed with sweet foods such as dessert. And uh, I had this revelation a few years ago when I was in Bordeaux with uh, Hervé Dubourdieu from Rumiere Lacoste, and he pulled out this ice-cold bottle of Sauternes, and we drank it with roasted chicken. And it was just sort of the most simple yet most decadent thing ever to have this really savory uh, bird with uh, this honey golden elixir. And wow. uh, it's, it sticks with me still. And so, uh, yeah, don't be afraid of sugar. <laughs> I love that. Um, cool. All right. Well, question number three is uh, when this whole thing is up and we're free, free to move around, Where? what's the first place you'd like to visit? For sure. Uh, my favorite restaurant in New York, of course, besides uh, my own Coke Cream Steakhouse, <laughs> uh, is King. Uh, and, you know, uh, it's sort of a little tongue-in-cheek, the name. It resides on King Street in New York, but it's run and owned by three women who are incredible, Claire, Jess, and Anne, Annie. And uh, I love it because it's sort of food inspired by the River Cafe in London, uh, very sort of Italian Riviera meets south of France, and everything is drenched in olive oil, and it's uh, simple but beautiful, and uh, I can't wait to go back. Awesome. Um, okay, question number four is that if you want, were to make a wine, what would you want to make, and what would you call it? Uh, well, I'm, <laughs> I've worked harvest a couple of times, enough to know that I'm a terrible winemaker. So I would definitely, <laughs> definitely uh, have to, you know, uh, have a consulting enologist because I, you know, that is certainly yeah. not my forte. Mm-hmm. And, but I would love to make something my favorite, uh, you know, wines and foods definitely come from sort of like uh, the Mediterranean south of France and sort of like these sun-baked wines with still a preserved acidity and they're just so savory and oily. So probably something from maybe Colior right by the Spanish border where the Pyrenees Mountains fall into the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, I don't know what I would call it, probably name it after the region. Um, but, uh, yeah, those I think are some of my favorite wines. And that was the wine that in your book you, you said you shared with your husband, right? Or well, from that region, Colier? Or... <laughs> exactly. I think um, that's probably why it's so special to me and I drank it on our first date and it's uh not fussy but uh quite delicious beautiful um okay and question number five is the traditional question we've been asking I say we so I still had a co-host but now it's just (laughs) me uh but the royal we has been uh asking since the beginning of this podcast which is just what's bringing you some joy these days um what is bringing me joy these days uh, you know, I think I'm very uh, grateful for all of the friends and family I have. And even though we can't be together during quarantine and pandemic as much as I would like, uh, you know, I think I have such a wonderful support system and uh, these incredible people, you know, were so instrumental, uh, not only in my career and helping me write this book, uh, but also during quarantine and kind of checking in on me and such. So I, you know, I'm so grateful for the people that uh, make my life so special. Nice. Cool. Well, um, so I know by the time this podcast airs, which will be about a week from me talking to you, I think your, your restaurant will be back open for deliveries coats. So people can order from there. Anything else you would like to plug? Um, Yeah. uh, You know, Coats, uh, if you can support your local restaurants by ordering delivery and takeout, that's amazing. Uh, not just Coat, but, uh, you know, any 
restaurant you really hope will survive this. And, uh, you know, also during this time, uh, we had to take a brief hiatus from a 501c3 nonprofit. I started called Wine Empowered, uh, and we're teaching um, the organization offers free uh, tuition-free wine classes to women and minorities in the hospitality industry. And so during this time, we're offering webinars to our students uh, in the hopes that within a month or two, we'll be able to come back and they can resume their classes. So uh, if you're so if you're able to do so, um, supporting our organization, Wine Empowered, you can check it out at wine-empowered.com, would be much appreciated. Cool. And of course, you guys have to read her book, Wine Girl, because it's, I just, I loved it. I read it so fast. I was like, this is so great. Um, yeah. <laughs> so cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, for doing this and hang in there. And uh, it was really a pleasure to talk to you. You as well. Take care. You too. <laughs> Bye. Cheers. Glass. I just drink wine. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with minute maids. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with coffee mates. I just drink wine. Give me red, white, or say, Don't touch me, motherfucker. I'm a sommelier. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.